Merry Christmas, guys. It's my pleasure to um, do the scripture readings for you this morning. The first will be from Matthew verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The second reading is from Hebrews 2, 5 to 9. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is subject to, not subject to them. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to them, but we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we made it. We're here. It's Christmas. Raise your hand if you opened a present this morning. Maybe dumped out a stocking, maybe. Congratulations, we're here, we made it. Uh, welcome to our guests, welcome to those of you who are visiting. Uh, my name is Jonathan, it's a, my privilege to serve as senior pastor here at Windsor District Baptist Church. It is my greater privilege to open God's word for us this morning. Been given a lot of opportunity over the last few weeks and the last several years to reflect on what's going on at Christmas. And maybe in your home you have a tree or another place where you keep gifts, but it hit me this week that Christmas is sort of about the hiding and the revealing, right? It's all about the hiding and the, and the revealing, covering and the uncovering. You, you, you spend a few weeks looking at these objects that are covered in paper, and you're sitting there wondering, I wonder what that is. Maybe some of you are cheeky enough to pick it up, shake it around, right? Uh, Unless it's Lego, you know, right? sometimes Lego, really, really, really easy to tell. Other things, very difficult. You're shaking it around, you're trying to figure it out. But Christmas is about this hiding and this revealing, right? And there's this huge buildup of anticipation. We're trying to get to that point where we can say, I just want to tear off all the covering. I just want to, I just want to wrap off, uh, unwrap all the things that are hiding the thing that I know that I want. It's all about this hiding and revealing. Well, here this morning to tell us and talk to you about the gift that God has given to us. God has given us a gift. Now, the good news is it's, it's already unwrapped. You, you, don't need to, you don't really need to, to wonder. In a sense, the gift has been given and it's there and it's unwrapped. And I think it's a bit unfortunate because sometimes we just sort of bypass the true wonder and the true meaning of what's going on at Christmas. The big question, the great question I want you to think about this morning as we come to Hebrews chapter 2 verses uh, 5 to 9 is to think about what is the reason that we wonder at Christmas? What makes us wonder? I can't read the slide at the back, so I'm going to return around. There we go. What is the wonder at Christmas? Someone can get me a pair of glasses. What is the wonder at Christmas? Or to put it another way, we just sang that great song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Why are the angels singing? 
Stop for a moment and think about that. What would make angels sing? I doubt that angels are singing because you got a switch for Christmas. <laughs> I doubt that the angels are singing because you're going to have a great lunch today. Right? Those are wonderful things. Those are fantastic things. But that's not why the angels are singing. My goal, my job this morning is to help, is to help us, by God's grace, just get a little bit closer to understanding why the angels are singing. In other words, I want to answer this question. What is the wonder at Christmas? Now, wonder can have multiple meanings, but typically, wonder just means to be amazed, to be entranced, to be caught up in the beauty of something. It can also mean to have some questions, and we're going to see both of those things today. The truth that you need to come away from today remembering is that God intends glory for us. God intends glory for us. Now, that's going to seem a bit vague and a bit abstract right now, but I hope it's going to become more clear. But it's really, really pivotal that we understand that God wants more for us than simply receiving good things. He doesn't just want to, to enrich you. He wants to raise you. He wants to bring you into a reality that's greater than this one. He wants to bring you into glory. He intends glory for us. He doesn't just intend gifts for us. He intends glory for us. But if we look at this text, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 to 9, we're going to see that there's really three wonders here. And I... And I I relied on the language of Craig Coster when I was putting together uh, the first two points. I really thought he hit it well. But there's three, three wonders that, that come to us at Christmas and that are really encapsulated in this text. The first wonder is our glorious destiny. You're going to have a glorious destiny. The second wonder is our inglorious reality. <laughs> I think so much of our anticipation at Christmas time is the building up of the glorious destiny, but the reality of the inglorious that we live with day to day. And finally, finally we're going to see our Savior's obscurity, the last wonder. With that, would you pray with me? We're going to ask God's help as we open his word. Would you bow your heads? Father in heaven, we're so grateful to you that you see far beyond what we can see. We're grateful that you intend more for us than simply the receiving of good things, but you intend to bring us into glory. So we pray that as we come to your word that you would allow us to fix our eyes on Jesus, that in our hearts we would set him apart as Lord, and that we would be enriched. We ask this in his name. Amen. First, our glorious destiny. Uh, but I want to read this quote to you. This is from Luke Timothy Johnson, uh, just to sort of orient you into the book of Hebrews, okay? Hebrews is not necessarily your classic Christmas story. We could have gone to Luke and read that. If you were here last night, we looked at Luke. Hebrews is a letter that is given. It's probably more a speech that was written down, a transcript of a sermon maybe, if you will. It was given to people who were feeling a bit on the outsides because they were Christians. Maybe you can relate to that. Feeling a bit on the outsides because they're Christians. And they were feeling a bit complacent, sort of like, oh, 
we got to do this again. Maybe you might have muttered to your mom and dad this morning. I don't know who would say this to their mom or dad, but why do we have to go there again today? Right? <laughs> this is a group that is struggling with complacency, a group that's struggling with, with feeling a bit on the outside. But Luke Timothy Johnson puts it this way. He says, the great salvation of which Hebrews speaks is not only a matter of being rescued, being rescued from some negative worldly condition. It means participating in the higher order of reality. That's this great salvation that the book of Hebrews is going to be talking about. And it's that interplay. But Jesus didn't just simply come to take you out of something. He came to bring you into something. First, we go and look at this glorious destiny. We see in verses 5 to the first part of verse 8 that God had a purpose when he created human beings. And our destiny was, was really quite amazing and wonderful. It was a destiny filled with dignity. It was a destiny where we had authority and we were supreme over his creation. And it was a destiny where we lived forever. Look, listen closely as I read Hebrews 2, verse 5. Notice the, the speaker pulls us in. He says, it is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come. What? <laughs> Rewind. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come. Now, first of all, the way that's written, it makes you say, well, who? Who? That's deliberate. The second thing you should hear is, there's a world to come. There is an age to come. And that age to come is ordered. There is a defining rule and a reign to that age to come. And it was always God's plan and purpose that human beings would live with him forever in relationship with him. And that that existence was one of dignity, of one where people exercised authority over his creation, and it was an existence that lasted forever. This is why he quotes Psalm 8. He says, there is a place where someone has testified. Now, he, he likely knows who the author of the psalm is. He's just trying to let God's word sit on its own. And he quotes Psalm 8. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor, and you put everything under their feet. Now, you might be hearing that, and you're thinking, oh, he's talking about Jesus. And I think he's going to get there. But actually, this psalm was written before Jesus even came. The psalmist is thinking about the way that God made men and women and his purpose for them in creation. And he says, this is marvelous. Have you ever watched one of those videos? You can go find them on YouTube uh, if you haven't, where, where they start with the human eye, right? They start with the human eye, and then they zoom in. They go all the way in to, to, to the cell level, right? And then they zoom back out, and when they zoom out, they come out the human eye, and you see the person there smiling, and then you see them laying on the grass, and then you see them, how, you know, they're, they're in a park, and then you see the park is in a town, and then the town is in, a, is in a state, and the state's in a country, and the country's in a continent, and the continent's next to an ocean, and, and the ocean and the continents are part of planet Earth, and they just keep zooming out, out, out. If you haven't had a chance to watch that, I encourage you to watch that today. Go, go ahead and find it. I don't know what it's called. I'm sorry. 
call it zooming out, you know, hey, Google, find zoom out video of person <laughs> on the grass, right? But they zoom out, and it's amazing because you just see how vast, how vast creation is. But did you know when God set up creation, he put a man and a woman in charge to rule over that creation? And the psalmist is saying, who are we that you would choose to give us this glory? This is a message some of you need to hear. Every human being has dignity and worth. Every human being is an image bearer of God. Yes, even those born with disabilities or deformities. Yes, even those who don't make it out of the womb. Yes, those who, who don't have the cognitive function that the world might deem as credible. Every human being bears the image of God and for that reason has dignity. And so at Christmas, part of the wonder is understanding our destiny, that, that God reminds us that every human life drips with meaning. Every human life drips with meaning. We see this at Christmas. God was not ashamed to become a human, but easily and often we dwell in shame. God entered in as one of us, but note the text that says it is not to the angels that he has subjected the world to come. The implication he's driving at is he subjected the world to come, the age to come, to a man. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor, and you put everything under their feet. So there's an age that's coming. There's an eternity future. And in that future reality, God has determined that there is a man under whom all things will be subjected. Think about that. And this is where the author is playing on the ambiguity. Psalm 110 is famous in the New Testament because it describes what God has done for Jesus in putting all things under his feet. David writes Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, come sit at my right hand while I put all your enemies under your feet. Paul, when he was speaking to a group of non-believers, people who didn't, who didn't believe in Jesus, who were not monotheists, people who, some of them were skeptics, some of them were, most of them were polytheists. They thought there wasn't one God, there's many gods. And in that, Paul said, God appointed one man through whom he will rule all of his creation. There's a glorious destiny for us. This is part of the wonder of Christmas. Part of the buildup that we feel every year is like, there's this glorious destiny waiting for me. I know at 8.05 or 6.05, 5.05, whatever time it is, I know that there's going to be a glorious morning for me. Now, not everyone gets that experience, but that's what our culture is building into us, this sense of anticipation. And you know what? Christmas is about that, this glorious destiny. Unfortunately, it's not all about that. Because 
our reality is inglorious. Our reality is not one that is as it should be. The author goes on to say, in putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. He's quoting the scriptures. He's saying everything is under, under the image bearers of God, men and women. Now at that point, every human being ought to stand up and say, really? Really? <laughs> You're telling me that the God who made all of this has put humans in charge of all of this? I mean, can we get out of our own way? <laughs> We hear that and we think, what? Fortunately, the author says, this is, this is what we recognize. Yet at the present, we do not see everything subject to them. Thankfully, he acknowledges, this is not the reality that all of us hold. Yes, the Bible says there's this glorious destiny. Yes, we have this fantastic future that's awaiting us. But we don't see it right now. We don't see all things put in order. Instead, what we have is disgrace. We have people who were meant to bear God's image, but they don't reflect God's image. All the things that are good and glorious about our creator, they're not seen in human beings. God is loving, human beings aren't loving. We're lustful. God is generous and gracious, we tend to be stingy. Our lives are tainted by sin. We, we fall short time and time again. And our lives are characterized not by ruling and reigning, but by, by being enslaved. We're, we're servile. We're, 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 we've come under the curse of the creation. The creation is imposing its will on us. And if you don't think that's true, then why are you all wearing masks right now? The creation is imposing its will on those that God had said ought to be reigning over it. But our inglorious reality is that we could know God, but we didn't know God. We rejected the knowledge of him and thereby came under the curse of sin. We were separated from God, and so now our lives are not marked by eternity, but they are, they're, they're, it's marked by mortality. There's, a, there's an end to it. And in the few days that we have on this earth, most of us find ourselves not in a posture of reigning and ruling, but in a posture of being servants. But not servants to a good God. Servants to earthly masters. Servants to our own desires. Some of us know the pain of addiction. We know the pain of, of being put at the mercy of others' attitudes, of others' behaviors, of a boss who won't just give us a fair shake, of a teacher who, who doesn't seem to mark us <laughs> well. This is our inglorious reality. And it's a wonder because at Christmas, we see that every human life aches with suffering. That's what I love about the Christmas story. God, in his glory, becomes a man, leaving his glory behind. He becomes a human being. The word becomes flesh, and he dwells among us. In that, God is exalting 
human beings. He's saying there is a dignity. You know, he didn't become a rock. He didn't become a tree. He didn't become a horse. He didn't become a, a salamander or a fish. God couldn't, God didn't put himself in any of those. He became a human being. And there's a dignity in that. But also in the very same Christmas story where angels are singing and the, and the heavens are opening and, 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 and people are praising God, the circumstances of his coming are so humble and so true to life. Right? We got people who are disgraced in the community, a husband and a wife, a child who's, by all in, for all intents and purposes, is illegitimate. A refugee, a soon-to-be refugee, someone who's traveling, someone who maybe didn't plan well and shows up to town and there's no room, uh, a baby who's born in a box in a, in a cattle stall. I mean, yep, that sounds like humanity. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we can relate to that. And so there's this wonder that we have a glorious destiny, but there's also this wonder that Every human life aches with suffering. And I can tell you, if, if, you want to, if you want to really send yourself around the twist at Christmas, pretend that life is easy and there is no suffering. If you really want to do your head in this time of year, put on the, the Hallmark smile or the Netflix Christmas special smile and, 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 and just go around like everything's happy because for some reason everything's aligned on the 25th of December and, and little sparkle fairy dust is falling from who knows where and now life has perfect because you just got that thing that you always wanted and you're having a few people around and you're going to see them later and you might get a sleep and nap in the afternoon. I'm sorry, but a nap, a meal, and a few presents doesn't make the ache go away, does it? But God knows that. That's part of the wonder of Christmas, that God would enter in, in that way. Finally, our Savior's obscurity. The writer is saying, God hasn't subjected the world to come. He's not doing all this for the angels. He's doing this for human beings. Human beings were, were though they were made lower than the angels, they, they were crowned with glory and honor. But we don't really see that right now. So it's like this big expectation followed by this well, but it's not really reality. And it leaves us saying, well, what, where is our hope? What do we see? The scripture says, yet at the present, we do not see everything subject to them, but we do see Jesus. We do see Jesus. Thank the Lord that we are given eyes of faith to see Jesus. We do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, literally tasted death, that by the grace of God, he might taste death for the wealthy? No. <laughs> for the Australians? For the West? For everyone but radicalized Muslims? For, wait, hold on. For 
Everyone except homosexuals or those who, who, who are unsure about their gender identity. For everyone who's not a religious zealot. No. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Note the obscurity of Jesus. It's, there's a descent. It's not saying God looked among all human beings and said, you know what, this Jesus of Nazareth, he's the best. I'm going to promote him. You can be the captain of my salvation team, Jesus. And he picked the best one. He said, you know what, you're better than all the rest. You can be the Savior. That's not how it worked. No, the Savior is God in flesh. It's God coming down. It's a descent that none of us would ever make. Because frankly, when you have privilege, why would you give it up? The wonder of Christmas, the obscurity of Jesus, this God who would take on flesh, who would not come fully clothed in all his glory, but would come down in humility. But not only that, that he would suffer. You see, most of us dream of being a superhero. I want you to close your eyes and imagine your favorite Avenger, right? Or your, or, or your favorite Paw Patrol character or cartoon character, whoever, whatever your version of a superhero is, right? Picture who that is. Now imagine your face on that body. Oh, yeah. Yeah, your hot stuff, right? You got it all. Most of us, we get pulled into that story because not only do we want to be rescued, but, but we want to cast ourselves as the hero. But so often the hero doesn't end bloodied and beaten and hanging naked on a cross. This is the obscurity of Jesus. How are we supposed to see the glory of God in a bleeding and suffering Messiah? You see, we can get on board with the message that, you know what, Christmas is special and everyone has dignity. We can get on board with the message that, you know, Christmas can be hard. What's, what we really struggle to get on board with is that God himself would become one of us and would then suffer. That just seems like foolishness. And even if you can get your head around that, to then understand that the majesty and the wonder of Christmas is that his suffering was the means through which he became exalted. The means through which he was crowned with honor and glory. That just blows our minds. That takes the work of the Holy Spirit. That takes us being born again. At Christmas, God's, God reminds us that every human soul was worth saving. Every human soul drips with meaning and dignity. Every human soul aches with suffering. And Christmas tells us that every human soul was worth saving. Now, notice here, this doesn't say that everyone is saved, but it does say that, that Jesus died for everyone. Which means, if there's a human being who isn't saved, it's, it's not because God decided that he wasn't going to be gracious to them. It's because they decided that it wasn't worth knowing him. Three wonders at Christmas. Our glorious destiny. Our inglorious reality. And our Savior's obscurity. Which of those three just seems the most far out to you?
just seems, I, I, I just, I struggle. I struggle to make that part of my life. Which of those three do you think today best encapsulates that sense of anticipation that the angels felt? Which of those three brings the release, the sense of, yes, I've been found, yes, I belong? I encourage you, pick one of those things today to ponder. Maybe it's your glorious destiny. Maybe it's your inglorious reality. Maybe it's our Savior's obscurity. Pick one of those three. Ponder that today. Maybe talk to somebody today and say, can I just, can I just ask you to process with me my, my amazement at Christmas? As the band comes forward, you need to understand that God intends glory for us. He doesn't just want to give you things. He wants to raise you into his new reality. He wants you to be a part of his kingdom and his eternity. It's the privilege. But ultimately at Christmas, God is revealing our invitation to glory through his son who suffered. Jesus said, no one knows the Father except me. But he says he will reveal the Father to those who ask of him and who seek him. If you're disappointed with the gifts that you get today, or you're disappointed in some way with, with how things went, first of all, I'm sorry. <laughs> but can I encourage you, don't linger in that disappointment because the hope that is there for you is so much greater than anything that could have happened today. The hope that is there for you has been there for 2,000 years and it is still being proclaimed around the world. And it's a hope that transcends this reality because God is bringing us forward. So maybe we can make a pact with each other today and say, we're not going to end this day disappointed. We're not going to end this day with an awe. Maybe just an awe because, you know, oh, I've got to wait another year for the fun of unwrapping gifts. Or maybe it's the awe because things didn't happen the way you want. You didn't get to be with the people you wanted to be with. You didn't, things didn't happen in the time or the way that you wanted. But can we agree this morning, let's not end with that sense of disappointment. Let's end today with a sense of wonder. Let's end today with a sense of awe. With a sense of, I am invited into glory. And it's a glory that's never going to end. Because God has given me the gift of his son. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would enrich us today. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the wonder of Christmas. I pray for all those who are here and those who are um, hearing this message that you might just relieve the ache of suffering, even just a little bit, or with a reminder that suffering has a purpose, that knowing Christ is truly worth it all. And so, Lord, help us now draw near to you. Would you receive our praises today? Amen.